0: To the John Krasinski show. John was at the press conference with Tim Connolly on Tuesday. We were recording this on Wednesday for talknorth.com. John, just give me your, your first impressions or I guess your most important impressions from that press conference.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I do think it was um in some ways what I expected, but I think also what everyone really needs to hear right now. And and that is everyone, I think, in Wolvesland is pretty excited about the Timberwolves going out and landing a big time president of basketball operations like Tim Connolly, luring him away from a division rival coming off of a 46 win season and, and, and kind of really expecting this to be a catapult forward for the organization. And it absolutely, I think positions them to do just that. But I think that Tim Connolly did a very good job in his opening press conference of sort of introducing the way that he runs things to the public, and really to a lot of the the team personnel who are kind of hearing his extended thoughts for the first time, and that is, he's a very kind of pragmatic guy. Um, you know, he kind he didn't get up there and make any bold proclamations. He didn't come up there and say, you know, we're reinventing the wheel here. We're you know we're vaulting into contention right now, and. And, and, and all of these things. He did speak very highly of Chris Finch, of Sachin Gupta, of of Carl Anthony Towns, of, of the core that he's sort of inheriting, but he also did make it clear that, hey, there's gonna be some mistakes made, um, it, progress may not be linear, we're going to try and just do things the right way and, and, and really establish sort of a, a culture of stability and of competence in the organization and, and keep going forward and then stack up good decision after good decision to see where it leads everyone. But um, this was not a time I don't think for someone to kind of come in and, and really just, you know, make the, win the press conference and make the bold proclamations. I think this is him showing that he's going to come in here and he understands that he's coming in to adapt to these surroundings as much as the Timberwolves are going to adapt To him and with Chris Finch in place with Gupta here with a lot of the roster kind of is where it is I think that's an important sort of note to hit for Tim Connolly, just to kind of get everyone ready for his introduction into how things are going to be run he is not coming in here to wipe the slate clean to uh to clean house and 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 make a bunch of changes and and really kind of inject himself into this he wants to to work with everyone here and um and so I think that's you know that's going to be a key for the early days here as he inherits a team with a lot of pieces in place already and it and and maybe kind of get puts positions him for a smoother transition than maybe other uh big time presidents of basketball operations who are coming into to places to sort of tear it down to the studs and rebuild.
0: Isn't it time though, John, that we reinvented the wheel? I mean, that's old technology. I mean, that's like pre-Twitter technology.
1: That's a good point. I mean, you know, is, is there some kind of a, you know, a, a a hybrid engine that we can at least install in this thing or an electric thing instead of running on gas like we have for so long uh, or a horse and buggy really in, in, in some of the Timberwolves uh, uh, parlance. So uh, yeah, I think there, you know, he, he absolutely should uh, to look to be innovative and, and 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 make some changes but uh, i think it's going to be a little bit of a slower more gradual process than maybe some wolves fans might expect sure and i was just being a smart ass. Now, of course, as you yes. as
0: you know uh this yes. is the john krasinski show he's john krasinski from the athletic and of course from talknorth.com. Uh brandon morton is our producer Karen clear is our sales executive. If you'd like to advertise with this show or any of the shows across the network and reach Karen at kcleary@talknorth.com. One thing we have discovered in the years we've been doing this is that shows like this do very well in the off season, as well as during the regular season. Uh, and we uh, continue to grow the network. We've added uh, David Lee, Dave Lee of WCCO fame, Mike Grimm from the go gopher podcast. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Thanks to our sponsors, head flyer brewing TSR injury law and all energy solar. So, I know you know the league well. I know you know Connolly. I know you know Finch, who knows Connolly. He comes across as a credible and even kind of a laid-back guy. And, and, you know, it's it's funny to think of someone who's going to make $40 million and have equity stake and has risen to the top of his profession as kind of a laid-back guy. But he does give off that vibe, and that would seem to jibe well with Finch's vibe.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've I've kind of described it to you know I've had people around the team around um, you know the kind of just fans as well asking me like who is Tim Conley how you know, how would you describe him and one of the ways I try to describe him uh, to people is he is kind of the the Chris Finch of front office folks just in terms of the the way that he goes about his business he's not this overpowering presence he's not uh this big big ego guy um he is a much he's a more laid back kind of beer drinking dive bar um you know kind of uh frequenting um blue collar jeans and a t-shirt type of a of a leader and and so You know, when you look at that's kind of how Chris Finch leads as as a head coach, too. Um, He is he is a guy who uh, has just really kind of has this unassuming demeanor. But underneath both Tim Connolly and Chris Finch is a real confidence that they know what they're doing and that um, they can kind of get other people. They can connect with other people around them and 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 and, sort of build a coalition to kind of get people to understand where they're coming from and where this team or where the people that they are supervising need to go. And so I think that in many ways, you I think Finch and Connolly are going to be a very good pairing, and you know, aside from the fact that they've already worked together, and as we learned at the press conference they first kind of came across each other when Tim was scouting in Europe and Chris was coaching over there. So they, they go back quite a ways, but just these are two guys who want to sit down with the people who they work with and have a casual meal and have a real conversation and find common ground. They are not my way or the highway types of guys. And so in that respect, I think that they will be able to speak each other's language and probably sort of you know complement each other pretty well because um, you know they're going to have conversations and they're going to have debates and they're going to have disagreements. But you can see this this kind of scenario unfolding where Tim Connolly you know feels really strongly about a player in the draft and they have to go this way. And Chris says, "Okay, I, I trust you. Let's go that way." Uh, Chris Finch feels very strongly about something in free agency or via trade, and Tim says, "I trust you. Okay." Uh, we'll go we'll go you will go your way and i think there's going to be a very good give and take and what we saw also from chris finch last year in his first full year as a head coach is that really helps the vibe of just the general organization he connects well with players he connects well with coaches he connects well with ownership he connects well with the business side of the operations with marketing with fans and i think tim is going to have those same kind that same kind of ability to connect to very different personalities, very different um ego levels, very different uh interest levels, and all those things. And and so that should be able to kind of keep that momentum going forward of the sort of community that they're building here. I mean, I thought it was really kind of striking at the press conference. I mean, Tim Connolly is sitting in between three owners. On his left is Glenn Taylor, on his right are Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez. All three of the the guys are very different in their personalities, in their approach, in their leadership styles, in their kind of just overall affects. But uh, it's clear already in talking to everyone involved for quite a while after the press conferences that Tim has found a way to find common ground with Mark Laurie, the, the, the startup guru, to find common ground with Alex Rodriguez, the baseball star, to find common ground with Glenn Taylor, the, the, the agriculture and printing mogul from a small town. Like, so I think that ability to sort of be a chameleon, both of them, Chris Finch and Tim Connolly, have the, the, the chameleon tendencies and qualities to be able to relate to a bunch of different people and get them to see their side of things and understand where they're coming from. And that's that's a big step and a big part of the foundation of, of building something that that can grow together here.
0: So he talked about bringing in some of his own people. Are you viewing that as scouts and support staff? Or are you thinking that he might move people in who will be parallel with Gupta?
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out, because I do think that Tim Connolly would like to bring in several familiar faces, as every new president or GM wants to do. Um, I would understand it, too, if he wants to bring in fairly high-level people uh, people because he wants to be i think he wants to have as good as tim is at at building relationships at at forging things to to kind of connect with people they're they're less than a month away from the draft right now and so it's kind of getting into a crunch time go time situation and i think he's going to want to be having some allies that he has trusted for a long time that he has been around that he sees things very similarly to and so I do think that he's exploring options both, you know, at maybe a lower level, whether it's kind of, you know, assistant GM or lower and, and in scouting. But also, I think he, he's looking at a few sort of bigger fish in terms of that would be more along the same uh, level as Gupta in terms of the hierarchy. I mean, it's been reported out there that some of the names are, you know, Adam Simon from the Miami Heat. Uh, Del Demps, a former New Orleans Pelicans GM, who uh, Tim worked with in New Orleans. Uh, uh, Matt Lloyd is another one from Orlando who's been mentioned in in reports as you know, kind of a, a Connolly confidant and a and, and a sidekick. But um, if if any of those three were brought in, it would just be very interesting to see what kind of role that is. Is it a general manager role? Because then, how does that work with where Sachin Gupta is, or is it some kind of a different role where there's some sort of like a a level playing field between Gupta and then between you know uh, a, one of these other guys who's very well known? But it's it's clear that that Tim does want to go out and add some people to the to the mix. It's just I think a matter of finding if the roles fit, if the money fits, you know, all of those things. Um, and I think that's still a work in progress. I talked to a bunch of people yesterday after the press conference, and you kind of got different answers from several different sources, which just tells me that there's still a lot to be worked out in that regard and um, in what's going to happen here.
0: More on Connolly and the Wolves and more on the NBA next year on the John Krasinski shows. Uh, John, tell us a little bit about Head Flyer Brewing.
1: Yeah, Head Flyer Brewing is a great local brewery in northeast Minneapolis, right on northeast Hennepin Avenue, just off of the 35W exit and right down by Kind of in the in the same neighborhood as certics in the same neighborhood as um as Eli's and the old legends. Now it's Beast Barbecue, but it's an awesome tap room. Come on in there, have a crunch time beer, a, a perfect summer drink uh to have. And it's a collaboration with myself and with Talk North, uh, with the guys Neil and everyone at, at Head Brewing. They have great beers. You can find them also in your local metro liquor stores. You can bring them home in growlers and cans as well from the tap room. Bring your dogs watch the NBA and NHL playoffs on their big screens and sit out on the patio and have yourself a nice refreshing crunch time beer at Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis.
0: Last week, we did this show from the offices, the spacious and beautiful offices of TSR Injury Law. They've moved to a new location in Bloomington down by Normandale, uh, Steve Terry's office, and a lot of the offices overlook the lakes. It's just gorgeous. They have the top two floors of a beautiful building, and they got there by winning cases. They won't charge you for your case unless they win your case. They win a lot of cases. They take good care of people who need their help. If you are ever injured, first call 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. Also, we are headed into the summer building and remodeling season. When considering property upgrades for your home or business, you should consider solar energy. Most home improvement projects don't pay for themselves till so the property is sold. Solar pays back regardless of the property sale. Most systems are warranted for 25 to 30 years. After 30 years of operation, solar could have paid back 300 to 400% of the cost. It will help you in your resale value. Uh, the average increase in resale value is $4,020 to $5,911 for each one kilowatt of power you get from solar energy. You will get at least 100% return on your solar investment upon your home sale. There's just no reason not to do it. Allenergysolar.com. Allenergysolar.com. Uh, the fact that the Wolves, without getting rid of anybody, could go out and spend $40 million and a small equity stake on uh, president of basketball operations is an indication of just how well the NBA business operates. Did they really need to spend $40 million to get Tim Connolly?
1: Well, honestly, Jim, I, I think they did. Um, okay. Be, because, you know, this is a situation or this was a situation and doing a lot more reporting on this as well. And Tim Connolly spoke about this at length in the press conference on Tuesday was, it, it's clear that Tim wasn't itching to leave Denver. Um, it's a great city, an unbelievable city. He has you know, a wife and two young kids who were born there. He'd been there for nine years. The organization is one of the better run organizations in the Western Conference. Um, he had a great relationship with ownership there. I do think that they underpay their guys. Um, and that's why they lost Masai Ujiri. That's a, a big reason why they lost Tim Connolly as well. Is that they don't pay the market rate, but um, but everything else outside of the pay was really enticing for Tim Connolly. And what we learned, kind of in that two out two day period where he gets the offer at Glenn Taylor's house, the official offer, and he spends two days really thinking about it, is that there was still a real draw to Denver uh, for the Connolly family. And, and he had to take his time and and kind of drive around the Twin Cities and look, and he and his wife had to kind of look and see if this was a place they could envision themselves living and raising a family. They had to kind of make a lot of phone calls and do even more due diligence and background on the ownership situation, on the players, on the coaches, on everything to make sure that this was a good basketball situation, but there was real conflict within the Connellys about making this leap. And so when you are a, an organization like the Timberwolves, who, despite all of the good vibes from last season, you still are carrying the stains of essentially 30 years of dysfunction and, you know, disappointment and sometimes incompetence and, and all of those things. I think that you have to be aggressive in terms of making a really big splash and, and and kind of sending a new message that things are going to be run differently here. And that's what, you know, Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez looked at as much as anything was that, you know, there has to be a narrative change here in terms of how the rest of the league views the Timberwolves and even how Tim Connolly probably viewed it. So they knew that they had to really kind of make an aggressive offer to Connolly to make, you know, give him that godfather situation, one that was just too good for him to refuse. And um, when you look at it, when you look at the offer in a couple of ways, one is in the annual salary, the $8 million per year annual salary, that's a lot of money. There's no question about it. But, you know, it's not He's not the highest paid general manager in the league. I mean, Pat Riley makes more money. RC Buford makes more money. Daryl Morey makes more money. Masai Ujiri makes more money. There's a bunch of guys. I don't know what Presti makes. I imagine it's more than eight million dollars a year. Um, so there's uh, there are s- several guys ahead of Connolly on that scale. Um, the equity part of it was definitely a a draw for Connolly. For certainly other executives around their league that are looking at this deal um, and, and saying, holy cow, what is, what is going on here? I will say that Glenn Taylor did kind of clarify things a little bit on that front at the press conference that he, Tim Connolly has not been given like 1% of equity in the team right now. Um, He has not, he, they, they have not gifted him any sort of stake that he has. So Kind of determining it equity in that way is a little bit uh, misleading because what what uh, the way that I understand it is, eventually down the road a little ways, if the team's value goes up, which we know it will with the new TV contracts, if they build a new arena, if they do uh, the the team's value is going to go up. Conley will have an option to buy in to the team at a valuation right now. Where it's valued right now, but then be able to cash out at whatever the valuation is, um, you know, much later. If it goes from a $1.5 billion asset to a $2 billion or $2.5 billion, he can make money on that difference. It's not a small amount at all. It's a significant amount, obviously. So it's not to be discounted, but it's also not the same as giving someone like Flip Saunders, like Glenn Taylor did with Flip Saunders, a slice of the pie, and it's sort of just it, it's his from now on. Um, so Conley will have to sort of come up with some money to come through with that transaction eventually. Obviously, you would be silly not to if he can make a bunch of money off of it, but that's just kind of a roundabout way of clarifying that it's not the straightforward, here's 1% of our team, you have this for as long as you want it. There's some. It, it's as Glenn Taylor kind of uh, termed it, a bonus program for for Connolly. But either way, it's still a very significant offer, and I do think that the Timberwolves had to make that kind of an offer to get Connolly to come. If it wasn't an overwhelming financial package, he probably does not make this move, uh, and he probably stays in Denver where he was really happy.
0: Interesting. Really interesting. Um, Next week, let's talk more about Gupta. Does he stay? What his role exactly is? For this week, as the NBA Finals are starting tomorrow night. You know, I look at this, and I know there was a period of time there where there were a lot of Timberwolves fans or analysts who were saying, hey, why even try to be good right now? You're not going to win the West. You're not going to get to the Finals. You're not going to win a championship. This is the time to re- continue rebuilding, getting assets. I look at the NBA right now, and I think it's more wide open than it has been in a while. The Warriors are, of course, a great team, but this is not the Kevin Durant Warriors, and this is not Klay Thompson healthy and in his prime either. Uh, you know, the, the Celtics, very good team. Tatum's a great player, but it's not a team you look at and go, oh, how could we ever possibly beat them? Miami almost beat them with, uh, you know, with injury problems and, and fatigue and everything else. Am I am I right in saying that this is a great time for the Timberwolves to try to be good?
1: Yeah, 100%, Jim. I, I think there's more parity in the league now than there has been any time in recent memory, maybe even ever. Uh, this has long been a league because there's only five players on the court. That means that one or two players can have just an outsized uh, role in in what happens in the outcome. Um, and And so if you get two great players, if you get three great players you're kind of your destiny is set. You play seven game series. There's not as many upsets in the NBA as there are in the NHL or the NFL, just because the nature of the game, it's so difficult to beat those great players over a long series that it's more predictable. Uh, That has been a problem that the NBA has had for a very long time. People do love dynasties, even as much as they say they don't dynasties absolutely give the NBA a more eyeballs when the Warriors are, are are where they are, when the Bulls are doing what they were doing, all of those things. But I think that uh, for the average fan in the league, now is a great time to be involved. And if you're a Timberwolves fan, now is a great time to sort of become a, a aboard the bandwagon because um, it is a lot more wide open. It will be wide open next season as well. Uh, there's not going to be they clear-cut one or two teams that are head and shoulders above, that if, if as long as they don't get injured, they're going to the finals. Um, And so I think I was talking to someone in the league just last week about all of this, and it, we thought that maybe going into next season, there may be as many as 10 teams that enter this next season. I'm not saying the Wolves are one of them, but there may be as many as 10 that can say legitimately – that they have a chance to go to the finals if things break right, if they make the right moves, if they draft the right players, if they stay healthy enough that they could go to the finals. That's unheard of in the NBA. And so, um, you know, you can even make an argument, Jim, this year in the playoffs, like if, if the Timberwolves beat Memphis, found a way to beat Memphis, I like the way that they matched up with the Warriors better than Memphis matched up yeah. with the Warriors. And yeah. I'm not saying they beat the the Warriors in the second round, but I'm saying that they could really put a scare into them. That could get, that series could have gone 6 or 7. And and so um I do think that we are entering at least some sort of a mini era right now where there are more uh opportunities for teams to either, you know, make the finals or or make a run at a championship or at least say, hey, we can go in to this season expecting not just to make the playoffs, but we could win a series or two. And when you do that, like that's like that's the ultimate thing. And so, um this is a definitely a different situation right now in the league and I think it's a great situation for the league in general to sort of be able to start to open their doors to markets that have not been included in the conversation as much and and to make it a little bit more unpredictable and um I'm I'm really looking forward to these next 2 to 3 years uh as as we see and and, and see if there are any other dynasties really emerge or if it just kind of stays a little bit more this way with the new collective bargaining agreement to keep it it's it's a lot of fun it, we don't know who's going to win one one night to the next and that's a great thing I also love the
0: fact that the People who left winning teams to go build their own super team were not rewarded. Yes, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving is not going to be in the finals. Kevin Durant's not going to be in the finals. James Harden is not going to be in the finals. I mean, the people who kind of just went ser- searching the the perfect new fit uh, were not rewarded. Teams that have found a way to stick together and build and have cohesion and play it you know, as teams
1: and have excellent coaches those are the teams that are rewarded. It's a great point. I mean, I it, it really does like and and like let's bring this back full circle for a second too. Is that, I mean, you look at hey LeBron, they want a they won a championship with the Lakers, so mission accomplished in mm-hmm. him moving to LA. But three of the four years have not been good right uh, in LA at all for LeBron, and and you know it's injuries, it's 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 mismanagement, it's it's all of these other things, and so. I do think that right now there's a little bit of a mini trend in that the well-run organizations are the ones that have the best chance and it's not just the big market or or just landing the big fish in free agency you got you've got to be able to run your organization very very well to put yourself in position. I think Milwaukee is a well-run organization. They had a Middleton injury, but I think otherwise they'd have been in the finals. Miami is a very well-run organization. Uh, Golden State is an incredible organization. Boston has built a very great infrastructure. They have staying power, Brown, Smart, Tatum. They've been together for years. And, And so that is being rewarded right now in a way that maybe wasn't happening earlier in this century, and so that's why it makes even more sense for the Timberwolves to invest that all this money, all this kind of compensation for a guy like Tim Connolly with a track record of building strong organizations and and really good rosters, is that if you run this team the right way and manage it the right way and continue to build around towns, around edwards and and do the right things, you can really position yourself to do some damage uh, in this league without having to go and get the main big free agent, without having to go. And, you know, Boston, they went not got Kemba Walker. They went not got Gordon Hayward. They went not got Kyrie Irving. All those, all those players flamed out for them. It's the guys that they drafted and developed that really, you know, along with Horford, that have really kind of led the way for them. And so getting a guy like Conley who can develop, who can scout, who can who has a keen eye for talent, that's the way to build right now. And I think that that positions the wolves as well as anything else for some expectations that this momentum that was created this season can be sustained going forward. And this is not going to be a one year, let's go get Jimmy Butler and make the playoffs and then watch it all burn down type of a situation. So, uh, the organic building, is is kind of in vogue right now in the nba and i think that's a good thing for the timberwolves with tim Conley.
0: let's pick the nba finals uh i will offer my pick and then i'll let john ridicule me once again we want to thank head flyer brewing TSR Injury loss 612 TSR Time, and All Energy Solar. Thanks again to our producer, Brandon Morton. And thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Go to the website and check out all the shows. If you're an outdoors person, we have a massive amount of great outdoor content. Uh, we keep adding to the sports lineup, which is the best in the Twin Cities. We have some variety shows with Dave Lee. Uh, check it all out. We do appreciate it. So I I look at these teams, and I understand that the Celtics can be a diff, really difficult matchup. that uh, you know I'm not sure exactly who's going to de-uptate them for the Warriors, but I just trust the Warriors to make the right play, to make big shots in big situations. I'm not sure I've seen that from the Celtics. Celtics do a lot of things well, obviously, but i got to pick the Warriors and let's say, six.
1: Yeah, I I think I agree with you, Jim. Um, I'm going to go seven with them, uh, with the Warriors, but I do like the way that the Celtics match up absolutely. I think that they have a, you know, a lot of great defensive players that they can stick on Steph, on clay on Jordan pool, you know, all of those, um, all of those entities. And so I think that they can absolutely They deserve to be in this series. They, they can make this series very, very difficult. Um, the one thing that concerns me about the Celtics is I don't think that it sounds crazy that they're in the finals. And I'm going to say this, but, I don't think that they're playing exceptionally well. You're right. um, you know they they they've they played a very banged up Miami team and they needed everything that 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 they could give to to edge that out. Give them credit for winning. Um, they had some trouble with Milwaukee when they were shorthanded as well. They're not very comfortable it seems like in the half court. They go through long stretches of bad shots and and offensive droughts. And if you do that against the Warriors, that's a recipe for disaster, and um and you know you say who guards Tatum? Jim, Andrew Wiggins, superstar <laughs> guards Tatum, of course, of course. So he's of course he does. I the guess I, the question
0: is who, who? Do they have anybody? Shot, I, and you know, Wiggins, like Doncic shot fifty one percent against Wiggins mm-hmm. in in the last round, but Wiggins did at least kind of slow down the de- help slow down made to him work. offense to a certain it, it made him work Yuck. and he can probably do that against Tatum too. I think Tatum gets his, but you know, maybe Wiggins can do the same thing to the Celtics.
1: Yeah. I, I just think that, yes. I, so I think that the Warriors have multiple ways to win a game offensively Steph going off clay, having a huge quarter um, Jordan Poole you know, as, as, as talented as he is can have a, a, a big game or two, even Wiggins can kind of feast off of the attention being, being sent elsewhere and, and give you 25 uh, w- without much problem. So they have just a lot of tools in their tool shed for, uh for winning games offensively for, for having good offense. The Celtics, I think the the margin for error is a lot slimmer. I mean, you need huge nights from Tatum. You need Marcus Smart's three-point shooting to fall. You need Al Horford to be able to knock down some outside, outside shots in space. Um, and, and so I just think that there's it's going to be easier. I, it's an easier path for the Warriors to get to 110 points and win games that way than it is for the Celtics. And that's that's why I'm going with the Warriors, even though I, the Celtics' defense is tremendous and I think they will make the Warriors work for everything that they have. I just think the Warriors are a little deeper and and can win in a few more ways and be a little more resourceful and a little more inventive if if option A or B is not there for them that night.
0: The only downside of John's pick is that I agree with him, and that's a very dangerous thing for him. Uh, But good stuff. Hey, great stuff on Connolly. We're going to keep talking about Connolly, uh, talk about Goop, get a little more into the front office uh, relationships and machinations here. We're going to talk about the NBA Finals, and, of course, the draft and free agency are approaching. Great time to listen to the John Krasinski Show or TalkNorth.com, and we do appreciate it.